So I, I think COVID has exposed people to things that were not normal. Like COVID. <laughs> like, like, like COVID, yeah. COVID exposed people to COVID. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing COVID with a trench coat on and like... Oh, good grief. Woo-woo! <laughs> 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 Check these out! Hey everybody, welcome to the Bros, Bibles, and Beer Podcast. This is the BBB Pod. This is Jeff. This is episode 145. Hey Zach, how's it going? My perfume smells like my daddy's got money. Wow. Andy? Let's go Lake Show. Yeah, Scotty. And summer's almost over? Is it? It's and, done. Uh, yeah, and we are ready to go Biden-Trump catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you, Jeff? Uh, lots of energy. <laughs> lots of nervous, nervous energy. More oh. importantly, how are your teeth? Uh, my teeth are uh, are good. I, you know, I had one pulled a couple weeks ago, and I have a root canal that was done, and I I'm getting that capped next week. So my teeth are falling apart all over the place. Why do you ask, Andy? Uh, I was just curious. How are your teeth? <laughs> They're clean. I just went to the dentist and got them clean. One of your oh, really? One of your tooths was cracked, right? Yeah, my tooths. Actually, two of them were cracked. They're falling apart. Yeah. Well, my wife says all can be put on my coffee, soda, no flossing, terrible eating habits, and uh, you know, I agree. <laughs> Is any of it connected to the current 2020 situation? COVID. Uh, what situation? I don't know. Would like that it, be? I don't know. Does laziness cause teeth to fall? Out? It, it's turning. <laughs> it's turning out. You might not be alone. Yeah. Really. So, and Jeff, you mentioned nervous energy. What do you, What do you? Um. Is this common? Like a daily occurrence no, of nervous, no, nervous energy? No, I haven't had McDonald's in a, a long time, and I just scarfed a Big Mac and fries. Uh, saturated fat. Nervous oh energy. yeah. Oh, okay. it's coming out. I can. It's just coming out of my pores. Maybe that's what it was. Is that your your teeth had become dependent on that <laughs> a, a solid <laughs> intake, and uh, and just like when you change a dog's food, it messes them up for a while. I don't know. Maybe there's a supplement in there that was strengthening <laughs> your teeth to be able to handle it. It, it could be. Or gin killed my teeth because I have been drinking a lot of gin over the last six months. Wasn't gin originally... Uh, didn't people go crazy? Was it? There? I think historically when gin was first made... I think it caused there was something in it or some some I gotta look this up. I should not have even started. You're this thinking sentence. of absinthe? absinthe. No, it's not absinthe. absinthe. It yeah. Uh, I'll research it for the next episode. Don't bring it. Anyway, gin and vodka. (laughs) What's in the, uh, not the true, is it truly, and then the other white uh, claw, Claw. is vodka in that? Mm. Or is that gin? Or is it just alcohol? It's alcohol made from cane sugar. Okay. There you go. Cane sugar. It's it's dissolving my teeth. It's clean. Well, it's pretty clean. There's not a lot of sugar left in it because the yeast consumes it and poops out the alcohol. Said the alcohol aficionado. Yep. I'm a drunk. <laughs> Is that what you mean? <laughs> well, let's start the AA meeting right now. Scott, you want to open us up in prayer? Yeah, let, let's. Uh... Yeah. Well, acknowledgement. That's the first step. So you're on your you're on the right okay. track, Zach. Yeah, yes, so, I, I don't have a problem. Lord, grant me the strength to. How does it go? Serenity. Serenity. To control the things that can't affect and affect the people that I. Want, want to control? <laughs> want to control. Oh, thank you. I always order the number three at the drive-through. <laughs> That's right. Well, 
let's go to the tape. We've got a clip here um, to piggyback on Jeff's teeth falling apart. Oh my gosh, it does this every time I'm ready to go. <laughs> you know what? For someone who tells me, you need to be ready to go, Jeff, and do that intro, knock it out of the ballpark. Jeff, you were... Uh, a dentist who's doing a column and it starts off with a, a dentist is being asked about her practice and, and she says um, that she's busier than ever, that she's seen more tooth fractures in the last six weeks than in the previous six years. And here's, here's what it says. I closed my Midtown practice uh, to all but dental emergencies in mid-March in line with the American Dental Association guidelines and state government mandate. Almost immediately, I noticed an uptick in phone calls, jaw pain, tooth sensitivity, achiness in the cheeks, migraines. Most of these patients I effectively treated via telemedicine. But when I reopened my practice, the fractures started coming in at least once a day, every single day that I've been in the office. On average, I'm seeing three to four. The bad days are six plus fractures. Uh, one, What's going on? One obvious answer is stress from COVID-induced nightmares to doom surfing to coronaphobia. It's no secret and pandemic-related anxiety. Wait, what's doom surfing? Doom surfing, like watching a bunch of uh, end-of-the-world movies and looking for oh, and bad news. Does it cause in the, stress? In the, uh, like on in YouTube the, and stuff and, like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Doom I, I'm surfing. guessing, yeah. That sounds... Do you guys yeah. remember the game Doom? Yeah. When yeah. I was a kid... My brother and I would play it and we would, we would just, I just remember the line. He would say, I came to kick ass and chew bubble gum, but I'm all out of gum. And, and like we were young. So we just love the fact that he says kick ass and all that stuff. Wait, that was Duke Nukem. You're right. Corrections and retractions on the spot with yeah. Andy Wikipedia McCraw. There was no, there were no voices in doom. That's true. Only the weird demon sounds. Yeah, lots of demons. So I played both of those, but I remember Duke Nukem well. And may he live forever in our hearts. <laughs> okay, doom surfing. Scott, did you really just do that? Scott's just made, made jaw noises with like a clicking noise from four, like Alien. Sixth Sense. Oh yeah, that does sound like that. Or six sense. is affecting our collective mental health. Then uh, she goes on to per, to posit a, num- a number of other potential reasons, in- including that people are sitting in awkward positions at home more. Um, I guess that <laughs> the ergonomic possibilities that I guess leads to people clenching their... Quick question. Have you been sitting on your face? <laughs> <laughs> I've been banging my jaw against the cement post. Uh, why, yes, doctor, I have. <laughs> why? <laughs> Do you think it's contributing? You don't need to finish it. That's that's. Uh, I thought that was funny. It's a podcast I listen to called Useful Idiots with Matt Taibbi and Katie Halper. And uh, if you're looking for a, a good podcast for people that that find that third way in the midst of all the partisanship, it's a good one. Speaking of useful idiots, I meant uh, signs, not six cents. You're clicking noises. That's a useful idiot noise. So do it again. Thanks for no. Do it again. Rescuing yourself, Jeff. I'm not rescuing myself. <laughs> oh God, I'm so scared. I hate that fr- that movie freaks me out. And that noise just it. That's yeah. kind of alieny too, right? No, it is. I was I was going for Predator, but oh, okay. Predator. Yeah. Ooh, nineteen eighties. Yeah. I'm two for two on references that are <laughs> way off. So let's keep this up. I loved Ghostbusters. <laughs> I, was, I was listening to um, on the YouTubes. There's the the guy that did that noise initially. He he had done some other voiceovers, um, and he said that he went into audition for that voice, and he, he's he's uh, his voice was wrecked from doing some other work, and 
they went in and he got on the microphone and he did that and he's like and the people listening they weren't impressed they're like what like what was that and then the audio guy in the back goes you got to come listen to this and when they played it the recording of it through this through the headphones oh yeah they're like yeah that's it it was pretty it's pretty cool just to hear the story about how that noise came out because it's like I, I don't know if I could do it louder, but no, I didn't know it was a a dude that was making that noise. I, I yeah. actually probably hadn't thought about it. I just assumed a lot of times they like piece together a lot of different sounds to make. Figured it was the actual alien. I thought <laughs> I thought they got real aliens to make that. Yeah, they didn't want uh, appropriate. So said the millennial. They didn't want to appropriate the uh, alien sounds. <laughs> We've got all aliens playing all alien parts now. You know, it's not worth a... It might be worth your judgment, but it's not worth the uh, consumption period that will come later on. But this is a teaser um, for that segment. I watched the original alien with my daughter, Aubrey, my oldest daughter. <laughs> and it was, she was into it and it was rad. The first one is great. It is great. Wait, with Sigourney, Sigourney yes. Weaver? It holds up. Oh well, yeah. She's in all of them, but. Oh, she is? Just the, oh, the okay. I was able to explain a couple of things that I happen to know about it where when, spoiler alert people, when they first get the guy on the table and the aliens in him and they, and he's mm. like, Mm-hmm. And then when the blood pops in his chest, the actors were not aware that was going to happen. Oh, no <laughs> way. And, and I knew that for the first time. This is the first time I've seen it since I f- got that fun fact. And when you see their their face, they jump. Like, oh, they yeah. literally jump. They knew like he, he was like something. Was, I don't know if they knew like his shirt was going to move, but it was, it's like this pop of blood in his chest and they jump. And just those little fun facts, she was eating all that stuff up. The fact that a lot of the characters are named their their names are unisex because it wasn't super defined going into it who was going to play who. I think the Ripley character was originally like had they had a guy in mind before it was Sigourney Weaver. That was a great choice because she is a badass and uh, yes, she knocks it out of the park in that one and the other ones, but particularly that movie. I don't even remember the. I'm not ones. sure if I'm going to take her through aliens yet. I have to rewatch that. I think that if, gets a little crazier. No, nah, if that's the one that I think James Cameron did that one, and it is so terrible in comparison to the first one. Ridley Scott did the first Alien, and when you, I remember I start. I watched the first one because you, you. I'm assuming you're watching it on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I watched the first one, and and it's slow. There's lots of like slow sections in it but not in a bad way it's like a building tension slow right. yeah the second one feels corny like because they went for the jump scares more i think they went for jump scares and and it was more about look because james cameron thing his thing is like big production uh-huh. and so it was less about the story and the characters and more about just big production and look we made a bunch of spaceships <laughs> that's most of what you're getting in aliens mm-hmm. uh that's good. This has been your five minutes of alien talk on the <laughs> flashback to the movie 80s. reviews. Yeah. <clears throat> what's next? So what's next on the docket? Oh, you didn't have anything else besides the uh, well, chip Well, I tooth. had the tooth. I do have some other things. Um, I just didn't know. I know Andy had some something in his passion bucket he wanted to pour out amongst us. Should we pull our chairs back? On the, uh, on the uh, tooth thing, I guess, I guess that's 
suggestive of I, we talked about earlier uh maybe stress a lot of people are yeah. under more stress yeah, they might, might be grinding their yeah. teeth uh all that pressure on the jaw could you know cause pain in the jaw could cause a headache totally. yeah migraines tmj uh that's that's a, a big problem big problem with people shoot man uh, i think suicide you're i think you're right being in general having this sense of yeah there is i yeah. did i did read an article um, that's a little, it's a few mo- couple months old, but it's related to lives lost. And I think it was a Yale study. Um, and if they updated the numbers, I'm sure it would just reflect more of the same where they, they calculated total lives lost um, from COVID versus the lockdown. And I tell you, this is not, this is a total legit source. This is not fake news. I don't care what what your perspective is. Uh, The conversation around the impact of the shutdown to actual human lives versus not shutting down versus the COVID death toll and what, how that would have, this is a little bit of guesswork plus a lot of um, science. Uh, I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but let's just say that uh, I think there's a good chance looking back in 10 years, 15 years after the smoke is cleared that there's going to be some embarrassed people about how we handle this lockdown. Not that we shouldn't have lockdown in some, of some sort, or, but how it's been handled and how that affects real lives, deaths of despair, sickness, abuse, um, de- depression, all that stuff adds up. It's, it's, it's ugly and you don't want to do it because you want to be, yeah. we're going to do this and it's going to save the most amount of lives, case closed. Yeah. But we're not in that space anymore. Well, I, for one, will look forward to moving out of the sewers in 15 years because we've all <laughs> been moved underground yeah. <laughs> based on permanent lockdown. Yeah, I know. And and I think you I, you sent that article a few weeks ago and, and you can, there's, there's a number that you can attribute to uh, every, uh, what was it? Every... Every point percentage point of unemployment. Oh yeah, that's that's a different number than this one. But yeah, with every it's like thirty thousand deaths for every percentage of unemployment. I think that's an annualized basis, yeah. and it just tries to take everything into account as unemployment goes up and poverty rises. So do bad decisions based on desperation, or you know, all all that stuff. It's it's complicated and it's difficult, and it's not something anyone wants to talk about. We just want to have our try either A or B and there's nothing in the middle, but there's a lot of middle going on people. Yeah. Speaking of middle going on, there's a lot of fences to ride. Am I right guys? Oh man. I've never been happier. If you know, (laughs) if you've been listening to this show, you know, I love that fence. I have a callus on my, okay. never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I was going to say taint, but I'm not going to. Okay. Okay. Some people would say that. I wouldn't say that. Who else does that? I don't know. Sleepy mm. Joe? I don't know. <laughs> Big Daddy Trump, man. Some people would say this. I'm not going to say that, but some people would. And now I'm going to say it. You kind of just said it. Now I'm going to say it. Okay, so I was... Uh, I, I have a Google alert in one of my Google alerts that sends uh, news... Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> news articles to my There's the inbox. new drop for Google alerts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're audible alerts. <laughs> It sounded like that. It it, uh, it sent this one that was the, the topic 
or the sorry, the, the title of the article was Church After COVID, Why Bother Going Back? And um, this that is, settles that. Well, it's <laughs> it, exclamation mark. Like, right. Yeah. It, it's a, it was, there is a question mark at the end of it. Why uh, bother going back? Question mark. And, uh, and it stuck out to me as we're, we're in this interesting spot where lots of churches across uh, the U S and probably worldwide, I'm sure as well, are kind of na- navigating this, uh, this very ambiguous uh, kind of time and uh and i know for us our church having basically gone online for six months is that roughly six months five or six mm-hmm. months i think i believe it give or take um, roughly yeah M- mvclife.com no dot life mvc.life <laughs> guys i'm a terrible spokesperson <laughs> and and scott what's your uh, website for your church since we're giving plugs out it's uh <laughs> I think it's livingwatercc.omar.org. What's the CC stand for? Community Church. Gotcha. Cuz there are a bunch of living waters out there. Yeah. So, but there's only one. There's only one. True living water. Living water CC. <laughs> <laughs> so, I read the article and I thought it was pretty interesting because they brought up a few things. It's it's been a topic that we that we've discussed um as as overseers at the church and trying to kind of like I say uh, navigate through what it looks like to come back and 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 in part of this the questions that we were asking were uh, coming back to defining what's what is important about going back to church and what is important about um, about being in church together versus being online um, engaging through zoom or youtube or whatever uh a church does in in terms of uh their their digital uh representation and so the author mentions a few things but i thought it was kind of curious to hear sort of where you guys landed and then if we if we as a group also thought about some biblical like what what does the bible say about meeting in person together so i have a quick question then well, um, how much did Jesus meet with his disciples on Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> well, according to that meme, at least once. Oh, fantastic. Really? You guys seen that meme? No. <laughs> I need more information. It's like kind of like a reenactment of the uh, the Last Supper. Oh, and, and, the, oh, and they're like, all dialed in? They're all dialed in, and I don't know, it's some pithy comment that's funny. You were doing a little Bethel church, you know, hands in the air, side to side. Trust me, know. I was not worshiping God, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's wow. funny. <laughs> it was the lame laugh of the night. Uh, that was old man I was inside. making hand motions with yeah. my... You would see that at a Bethel worship experience. Yeah. I guarantee it. So maybe the maybe the question is, does it matter? Why, why, why should we even get back into church in person it's the cc thing that scott said it's community i mean you you get community when you're around each other and same when you get together for dinner or whatever with uh, other folks you you build relationship and trust and connection if first that's, that's my easy short answer i know what about the person who says I know, but like I can talk to people and connect with them over Zoom. Okay, have have fun with that. <laughs> Do you think anyone really would say that with a straight face? 
Like, like as if that is, that is an acceptable replacement. I've heard it. I, I heard that. Really? Yes. I've heard a version of it, but I, I've also know in the context that they would like to be getting back to the normal business of meeting with people in person uh, via normal church activities. But this, the, yeah, this was like the context was a, a w- describing their small group and, and, and it was, Hey, we're doing great. This is, this is totally working. Mm. Um, and, and it, and it was kind of giving the general, like there's, there's not, there's not a rush to get back till that hacker drops in some porn. <laughs> no, that's, uh, Jeff's that's uh, only son's at, school. That's only at elementary. <laughs> yeah. That's schools. only <laughs> elementary schools where that happens. <laughs> Yeah, because Christians are already watching porn. They don't have to convince them. I'll have to go on Zoom was... to watch porn. <laughs> so, so Jeff says it's because of community. <laughs> uh, what else, though? I mean, let's unpack that a little bit. God, you guys, I'm like pulling teeth here. Get it? I, I, thought, Jeff was, I thought Jeff was going <laughs> to keep going. Call back. <laughs> what did I, you say? I thought you were going to keep going. No, I'm done. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's very your, simple. Show yourself out. No, I agree <laughs> with you. Um, the community thing is ideal. I, I think the need to do a full on. I'm doing bunny ears. The full on church service at a specific location is is overrated. Um, I've followed a little bit the John MacArthur slash McCarthy grace to you. Um, where he is defiantly like, we are going to meet. And I don't know all the details of that. I know he still has. And there's been like a back and forth between he and the city and all that. Uh, and he's made some comments about if you're not meeting in person, basically you're not a church or you're, or you're, you're definitely dropping the ball as a church. Like this is something you should have been doing the whole time. And I don't know if it, it counts as playing the persecution card or not, but I do feel like there are some Christians that feel like they're under persecution because they can't go to their normal thing and meet. That is the ideal. If you're somebody that wants to go to church, I would agree with that. But temporarily going to Zoom or doing small house churches and small gatherings or outdoors in your backyard, socially distanced, if you are if you're, uh, want to do that, you can still do all these things and still find ways the needs of the community have changed because of all this 2020 shitstorm. You can find ways to be the church tangibly out and about, but there is this thing about meeting it on Sunday and it's been pulled from us to a certain degree. And so that's causing the backlash. So I personally am struggling with how much I, I should care about this. Cause I, I don't know if this is the right frame of mind, but I don't care that much that, the 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 ability to meet in person like i would rather it be that way for everyone's sake be what way uh be able to meet in person oh. and do church as usual or even do church but find ways to do socially distance find ways to comply with the guidelines i think that's still doable it why that hasn't been done for a lot of churches is is a bigger question to me but i'm i'm not that concerned i don't feel like it's like I don't know if this argument, this article goes there, mm-hmm. or if you have this on your mind, Andy, you tell me, but I feel like a lot of Christians that are rebelling so hard against it have a little bit of a persecution complex, maybe, and I'm not convinced that that is actually going on. 
What do you, persecution? I just threw a lot at the yeah. wall. I understand. So take whatever. Um, <laughs> persecution complex. Ex, uh, those that are not going. Not being allowed to go. go. Not being allowed to go. like, you're holding me back. Okay. The government is preventing me from doing my uh, constitutional, my right to practice religion. That's a constitutional right. 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 I'm not sure that's actually been infringed because you can still find ways to meet in person. You can online, you can still do, nobody's cracking down on church necessarily. It's just different. Well, yeah, in that. Because we're Americans, I could care less what the hell the rest of the world is doing. In America, lockdowns are not, lockdowns should have never happened. Church should have never stopped. Nothing should have ever stopped. You know, we had our rights infringed upon. They still, in maybe in some form in some states, they still are. Um, but the, uh, because we're still all getting to work, we're all, you know, we still can do church, like you said. And some people couldn't work. So, no, you're right. But I mean, we, the four of us, mm-hmm. for the, are are working, um, and that never stopped. Um, but the the church, um, I'm a physical person, physical physical touch. So being at church, hugging people, shaking hands, yeah. having conversations. That's if I don't have that, he's touching me right like now. For, like forget it. Wow, you got furry legs. Um, it's just something like that Joe Biden. I, I, uh, get, out, I mean, I give and get out of church, just going yeah. and hugging people and smiling and yeah. enjoying time. So that's why I would want to be at church and to, to be sitting at home, yeah. staring at a screen is just like, you know, scratching chalkboard it's with nails. contrary to the way you live your life. Right. But I can I totally see why people would be like, Oh, I like this. Cause they come, they're on the perimeter they listen to the message, they go home, and they don't really converse with people. And so what they're getting out of it might be something very simple in yeah. that I heard the message, and now I'll go home and talk with my wife or my family, whatever it might be. And so they can sit at home and do that. So I understand that um, that point of view. Well, that was that was one of my fears when we, uh, when we started shifting things over and, and put a lot of time and effort into uh, streaming on YouTube. And, and my concern was, you know, once, uh, once things, once time sets in, eventually my concern was, uh, this is a scenario where there's very little investment from the viewer. It, it takes, right. it takes little for me to do this. And, and because it takes little investment, um, very little engagement, uh, it's easy for me to step away from that yeah you can check out real quick to your point like i'm not invested necessarily in the in people in relationships in activities or ministries or any any i'm not invested and and so uh me simply turning off or never turning on youtube yeah turning on YouTube. <laughs> I go to my YouTube box and I press YouTube button and turn it on. I hate it when it's like not working and you have to like jiggle it a little bit, slap it. <laughs> you like what blow, are you talking about? You blow into the vents, jiggle and slap, blow. <laughs> then it fires back up sometimes. Uh, but, uh, and we saw that. We saw that happen. Like, uh, you know, it, you'd see a big spike at the beginning and everyone's excited. Okay, like lots of viewers, people are watching it because this is the option. And also we thought that this was going to last for like two months. 
Um, and then it, and then it peeled off. And I think churches across the U S have seen a lot of this too. Like part of this article talks about, it's, it's really fun to give two examples. One was this pastor who was like, yeah, we tried the digital thing and it, we sucked at it. We were not good at doing it. And it, it <laughs> being so bad at it made his church be like, we got to get back together now because <laughs> this is terrible. Chick-fil-A parking lot Saturday. See you all there. It's just like, we cannot do this. And then the, then the flip side of that one was this other pastor who was saying, uh, yeah, we really put a lot into it. And Did you say pastor or bastard? Pastor. Ba- bastard. Bastard. Okay. And <laughs> he, he Past said, tense. His point was, we did a good job at it. We had a strong like digital presence and and did that part well. But now getting people, basically he said, getting people to come back has been harder than starting the church over, which is crazy to me to think about that. And so it this article just had me thinking a lot about like, so what are those tangible and intangible things that are important for us uh, to engage in person, in church, in, in a church type of setting. And I, I want to make it a little bit more of like, let's, let's pick on just traditional for the sake of this discussion. Cause like we, I don't want to get fuzzy on like, well, what is technically church? Like if we just go with the traditional, it's Sunday morning and, and this is where people show up and go. Um, church in America, 21st century. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, some of the things that they'd mentioned there were like, uh, if you are certain denominations, um, maybe one of the big things that you're missing is communion in person and how that, that is a, like, what does it say? If you're Anglican, um, Episcopalian, Catholic, or Lutheran, you've gone without communion for six months or longer. Even Baptists. You got that shared trough. Yeah. Even- Whether it's wine or holy water, <laughs> it's shared. <laughs> Uh, crackers and juice at home are not quite the same. Um, and so you're likely, it's as likely you feel the ache of its absence and you're eager to return. Communion is one of the most, one is one important dimension of gathering for Christian worship that YouTube cannot replicate, but it, it points to, toward a broader issue, which the author describes as, um, embodiment and is, is a, an extension of what you're saying. Basically it's, it's important to be together, but it also says, Part of that important to be together is that it's not just about what you're getting out of the church, like what you're personally just gaining. Ooh, a little, uh, little conviction. Like, hey, you've been, you know, before in the old days, you were going to church for you. You need to rethink that. Is that what he's doing in there? There is some of that. Of- we will have this article in the show notes, written by Scott McKnight. Scotty McKnight. I think so. Either that. Although this one says. Ooh, guest post maybe? It's Jesus Jesus Creed is his blog on Pathos, I believe. Carmen Joy Imes. Guest post on Scott McKnight's. Scott, what are your thoughts on this? Scott Scott, last name undisclosed, not <clears throat> Scott McKnight. Yeah, well my my uh my church's uh website is livingwateroc.org. <laughs> okay. I, I looked it up. Hey, Corrections hey, and retractions. Yeah. Hey, way to save yourself, Scott. Okay, good, yeah. I don't want, because that other one didn't, just didn't look right. It's the other Living oh, Water. I hope people listen long enough to not go to the wrong website <laughs> to get the correction. Yeah, they started Push. talking about church, and that's when I checked out. I Put never heard what Scott notes. said. Hey, Scott, grace to you. Continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, as soon as we can get together... Uh, again, freely, um, without having to social distance, would be great. 
Um, I th- yeah, I think there are people that go for the community more than the church, um, and that's that's a problem. They should be going to a fellowship, have Christ godly fellowship with each other and with God and not going just to have a get together time. Okay. I was going to, okay. You, that last sentence kind of clarified a little bit because I'm wondering, depending on how you do community, community is where the rub is. If you're doing community and like, okay, what are the needs in this specific body or people peripheral to us? And how can we, we do community in a way that's going to meet those needs in the biblical sense. I don't want to get biblical on this podcast, but if I were to, it it would be, there are a lot of instructions that if you were to follow a lot of church communities today are falling short on, which is literally meeting the needs of people. It's a different aspect of, or a different definition or a different aspect of the word community. Right. So the what I'm talking about is they are getting their need met by having interactions with people. Right. He's talking about you, Jeff. I think Jeff's doing both. Well, when I go to church and I'm I know that I'm helping I know that through me God is helping others. It's a hug, it's a handshake, it's a conversation. God, you're such a bragger. And and then vice versa, there are people who all of a sudden I'm in conversation with that I'm like, this is this is a gift, like that I'm actually getting to meet this person. And so there's a give and take. And I, I affirm that. Okay. You do you do do that. Yeah. I just said do do, but you <laughs> you when you're in person, you do see you you see the people on the periphery and and you you like oh that's the person I need to talk to today like you're you're open to that some people might call it you're open to god nudging you in that direction or you're just you're just open to like wh- what am i doing today who am i going to talk to today who needs to be talked to today and you can't do that over zoom right and i even had YouTube. a guy i even had a guy when i first showed up uh, this last weekend and he's like oh i know i get a hug from you and it was like he desired yeah. that, and I'm like, man, this is this is good. So that's that's why being at church in person is important. And a little note: to be at church and have to social distance and wear a mask, I think, is disastrous because mm. it creates a fear and an anxiety that actually creates a rift within the church. And I would rather if it was like social distancing and masks. Or being on Zoom, I'd be like, Zoom. Okay. Would you really? You, so that was my next question. It's like, is there wow. any compromise? Between- I mean, if that was, if it was like law, which if it was, we'd be at civil war. But if- that's another thing. Hold, hold your thought. Okay. The law. I don't. There's no actual laws. They're guidelines, and I feel like that authorities all over the place have done a disservice by pretending like it's. A law when it's not, and if you just give good information and give guidelines, I don't think there would be yeah. quite as much pushback, and churches could still interact and find a compromise. Is there a compromise though well, for you, or Andy? Andy, you just took a deep breath, ready no, to it's speak. Okay. It's okay. Sorry. It. 
I think that I think that's an interesting topic, and it's a little tangential. I, I think it's I, I liked where you were going though, it, just in digging into the importance. Like, forget forget COVID is happening. Period. Right. Like, don't even worry about that. But like, digging into what is the importance about meeting together and being together in a church. Um, and, and this author actually kind of unpacks what you're saying a little bit, Jeff. So what their second point is weekly fellowship in a church body reminds me that following Jesus means joining God's family. And so they continue to say, when I signed on as a Christian, it's not a transaction tr- designed primarily to secure my eternal destiny. Becoming a Christian means becoming part of God's family and changing how I live here and now spending week after week with these people sharing this experience eventually adds up to a network of caring relationships. It doesn't happen overnight. Simply watching from home positions me as a solitary consumer rather than an active participant. And I, and I think that was the thing that, that was rubbing me the wrong way. And kind of what you touched on Jeff is um, it's being that active participant, not just uh, a transactional, you know, solitary uh, person who's engaging from a distance. And, and I don't Which know. Which I am th- prone to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we call him sit in the back, Zach. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We don't call you that. Well, we do now, but. We do now. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if that article um, talked about the the definition of church and if he, they were limiting it to this, like Zach said, this 21st century Sunday large gathering together and made a distinction between that and scale. So if uh, separating the two things is, okay, what are we doing during the lockdown? Can't really meet in large. Okay. Well, what are the alternatives? Yeah. Meet in a small, small group. Okay. Well, does that work for a lot of people? It's probably going to work. Yeah. Okay. So then that might be the impetus for the, the article headline question, article title question is, okay, well, now that people have seen that small groups work, do we need to go back to this larger gathering model? I could see that being a a, a question that a lot of people are going to think about and say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe is there any value to that? I, well, 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 okay. What do you mean value? <laughs> What do you mean? Va- value as well, well. I'll just like oh, yeah. According so, to Webster's dictionary, value is oh, yeah. yeah you, well, you kind of <laughs> ask the question like you're posing. You're posing there there being a decision between or the, the idea that m- maybe we would say small groups is enough and we don't need to meet as a large group anymore, right? Is that kind of I don't want to put words some, in your well, mouth. Well, that's some people that. So I, I think COVID has exposed people to things that were not normal. Like COVID, <laughs> like, like, like COVID, yeah. COVID exposed people to COVID, <laughs> yeah. And we see that. Well, can, we don't need we don't need all these things. I'm picturing COVID with a trench coat on and like, good <laughs> <laughs> <kid> grief! <laughs> Woo Check these out. That's that's your mission, Andy, for the artwork of this. All right, <laughs> oh, gonna, I can imagine already. It's like a silhouette, oh, just white, but it's all dark. Scott, There's, please there'll be continue. nothing there. And you have. Never mind. Scott sees it. <laughs> Scott sees it. Uh, yeah, like like uh, sports. I haven't I haven't seen any sports since this, and I'm like, I, I kind of don't even miss it. Like 
It, not, not a big deal. Isn't that like. funny when you unplug for enough yeah. time? It's like any routine or, or diet or whatever. If you can do it and create the new habit for, this is this works good and bad, do it for long enough, then it's like, oh, you don't miss that thing. And that's a different question than maybe you should miss that thing. Maybe you should reconsider it. Maybe re-engage yeah. in a way that's better or healthy, healthier than you were doing it before. Not talking specifically at church, but I think yeah. this, it's included. Yeah, I, I I think both are great. I think both serve different purposes. I think small groups give you something that you can't get in large groups. And I think large groups give you exposure to hopefully knock down your echo chamber a little bit. And for me, it gives me a chance to probably engage with someone I might not have otherwise. Yeah, and I, I, there, so uh, yeah, in the beginning, there was no large building uh, for, for the uh, Christians to go and meet at. Right. Uh, but that, that changed more and more as, um, for various reasons. So the, having a small groups, having small house churches or congregations or ga- or groups, that's not a bad thing. Uh, there could be, there could be a larger effect. Um, maybe from a, a broader sense of the church not being as visible because there are, there would be less small, uh, less larger churches out there. Uh, what effect that was overall that's going to have, I'm not sure, but that it would actually, be something. It has the ability to break a church down and almost disassemble it slowly in that people will form their own groups, be less focused on the the large church building place people that they belong to that they go to every Sunday. Which might not be a bad thing. Well, hold on. But then that actually creates those that are within that church in leadership. All of a sudden people are not giving and things start to dissolve in terms of like what church was and, and morphs into something else. You... I'll, you were almost word for word what what this author said too. They, well, I'm lazy. I didn't read the article. <laughs> they said weekly fellowship in a church body is a means of declaring allegiance to the kingdom of God, and they go on to say on the outside the church may not seem like much. It but I may, have a bumper sticker for that. <laughs> it may seem weak, but the church is a visible witness to the unseen reality of God's kingdom. Being present each week testifies to this. It acknowledges that God's invisible kingdom is more substantial and more lasting than the other concrete institutions in my community. It will outlast the postal service, local businesses, schools, politicians. It will outlast the pandemic and the hurricanes and the wild uh, wildflowers, wildfires, <laughs> and the ugly inequalities in our world. My participation ensures this. It testifies to the, to that greater and lasting kingdom. And that is a really interesting point that he's that the author he or she it's Carmen it's hard to know. Um, what if it was the Carmen like the fighting the devil Carmen? Do you remember Carmen <laughs> from that? Yeah. Just Carmen, the, yeah, just Carmen. Carmen. Christianity's yeah. prince. Get back on it, guys. I think <laughs> he's still around. Oh man, Jeff, have you seen Carmen? You will. Okay, we'll continue. <laughs> Not Cartman. That guy's different. How'd you know that was in my head? <laughs> Uh, but I I actually like this point a lot, uh, because I don't think we all take that into account of, of what our participation and attendance in church means on a broad scale of, of how that is a a demonstration of God's kingdom. 
Yeah, we can't take it for granted. I mean, it's been normal for many, for a lot of people for many years, and it's kind of a normal part of society. But I, I, I do think that there might be there, there might be a good. How do I say this? It might be a good idea to get away from this seeming necessity of having larger congregations. Uh, having, like you said, um, you know, it's the small groups allow you to interact in, in different ways. But at the same time, without the larger congregations, there are some people that aren't going to go to small groups because they want to hide out. Yeah. And so they would, and it could just be their personality or whatever. I'm kind of like that. I, I don't, I don't go up and talk to people. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like a backseat Zach. Kind of. But you go uh, to a church in which you can't hide. No, which is I can't. Interesting to me. Which is, you go to a really small church where, yeah. and you were up in, on stage or on the asphalt now, whatever it's doing. Asphalt, yeah. And you, you're playing guitar and stuff. In the handicap spot. You're not allowing yourself to hide. <laughs> How dare you, I know. Scott? By the way, he's sit in the back sack, just to get clear on what his name is. Not, oh, back, not, not backseat Zach. <laughs> yeah, that's a different Zach. That was, that was high school Zach. That's, that's high school Zach. Thank you for saying high school and not college, because I didn't go. Thank you. You know me so well, Scott. Appreciate it. Uh, but there also there also could come a time when the church is, um, is actually uh, persecuted or... It could be something as simple as, and not not to, not not moving on from persecution, but it could be something as simple as a tax law change uh, that that uh, could severely affect large uh, churches that have or large buildings if if uh, tax exempt status is is lost, and that would that'd be very interesting. That to would see crush who, a lot of large. It would show where people's treasure is. Yeah, and I wouldn't count that as persecution either. I would I would say. It, that's probably tangential and we'll n- not go there. But if tax law were to be really uh, reformed in a way that would please me, that would be one of the things that would go. Yeah. Now we could say that it's not necessarily persecution, but possibility. It that could be a step on the way to getting on the water slide right. of church persecution. Or some politicians I would make that, that decision because they don't like. Right. I could see that. Right. Yeah. It's complicated. Hypothetical. <laughs> do, do, do. But, I, but I think it's good. And and also, in addition to... Wow, you're yes anding. Uh, we, it doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be... I actually think they work great together. Yeah. You, they, you, you need them both. You can have both. It's, it's, not, it's not either or. And also... Um, Additionally... Yeah. To, to kind of counter my point about now he's arguing with himself guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, uh about the church being less visible uh in the world uh or to the world um if if the church does more what zach uh talked about in doing community and meeting community needs it might not be a problem that we don't have as many large buildings because we would be visible by going out to the communities and doing what I'm sure Zach would agree with me are commands of Jesus to go out and do. <laughs> Look at him trying to troll me. I do. On that note, though, I think it might be a good time to play one of these clips I have from Andy Stanley. Um, Hit it. Give me the. Uh, what do you feel like? 
Uh, well, give me the names. Sorry, they're all one word. Uh, Theology of Decision uh, on No Church. Feels like that's the one we should listen to right now. I really do wish we had gone back immediately and it would have been like, those of you who are comfortable, now I know we didn't own, we don't own our building. And so we didn't have that, but. There'd be going, some insurance. Going per- back would have been nice. Yeah. You guys, yeah. Go for it. Let's see. Wait, which one? Just whatever, whatever one you click. I don't remember which was first. You know, in this conver- he did a Scott. Well, let's do on no church. That seems like probably. So in Andy line. Stanley was on uh, an event that Liberty University did. I think it's like their annual thing. I don't remember the word for it, but uh, Andy Stanley was on there talking about COVID and church. And um, you're going to click one and we'll see what happens. But then there was another part of this that I love to talk about, but interrupt me when I've spent too much time no, on good. this question. Good. There was a leadership side to this. Mm. We have about 550 employees. We have nine or 10 campuses in the greater Atlanta area. And I realized um, this is an extraordinary opportunity and uh, you should never let a pandemic go to waste. And, and I know that's, you know, I don't want to downplay the danger of this. We have lost um, people in our church who have died, who have gotten very sick. We have all those stories like most churches. But, and for your students, you know, every, um, every um, season of uncertainty brings opportunity. Right. So as, you know, putting on my leadership hat for a minute, I thought, wow, here's an opportunity to say to our 550 staff, hey, you don't have to worry about, are we going to open up next week? Are we going to open up the next week? Are we going to open it? I said, let's just take it off the table. We're going to stay closed for the rest of the year. Now, let's focus your incredible energy, creativity, and innovation on doing things we didn't have time to do before, or that we couldn't do before, or that we weren't even sure would work before, because we've just taken your Sunday responsibility and your weekday responsibility to get ready for Sunday off the table. So let's don't focus on what we can't do. Let's ask the question, what can we do now that we couldn't do before so that we are continue to be outward facing in the community, serving the community and engaging people? Our The mission of our church is to inspire people to follow Jesus. So how do you inspire people to follow Jesus when you can't gather hundreds and thousands of people together on Sunday morning? And um, I got to tell you, hundreds and thousands of people. They're one of the largest congregations in the country. Yeah, he's or probably in the world. Yeah, I think he's hundreds and thousands. I thought he was in the thirty k range. Sorry. Well, um, hundreds, depending on the which camp. Pick a campus. There's they hundreds are. over there. And there's <laughs> thousands. I got over hung there. up on an unimportant it detail. Does sound like, I'll, I'll no, it's all right. It's all right. Like a lot. It's not yeah. important. We are focusing on data, correct? Yes, but I'm going to go check, double check his numbers in the meantime. <laughs> Watching our amazing staff from all of our nine or ten Atlanta area churches every month go after it has been exhilarating. We are learning so much. Yeah. We're doing things that I'm sure we will continue to do once we're able to reopen on Sunday morning. And then the last thing, I don't think this is a one size fits all. Every city is different. Every state is different. Right. So I would never. I think every that's church key. should do what we did. But this was a big, bold decision um, that we made, and I'm glad that we made it, and we're still learning. And if something changes, I mean, we certainly miss gathering together the way that we used to. I mean, I love, I would much rather talk to a full room than an empty room. David, I don't know if you've ever done much <laughs> communication to an empty room. It is not a lot of fun. Right. Nobody laughs. I don't like at it. At all, you know? So, uh <laughs> So we're looking we're looking forward to to, to reconvening. Of course. But I tell you what, what we are learning in the process, um, it, it it's it's great. So yeah, I like that. 
Like I would have loved to hear what he was. They were learning in the process because there's a lot of generalities. I'm like, what does it look like to be outward facing and in the community? Because I just that's well, a, that's a good question, and and I think one of the barriers you have to get around is engaging people when people are trying to not engage right, with people. Right. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. a good point, Man, which is the worst that's, thing that's yeah. ever hit any society. I mean, I know there's been wars, but this. When you are forcing, when you're, you have governments forcing people to not engage, <laughs> yeah. you are asking for a nuclear war. No, it, it could be, it could be more online. Uh, if more people are online because they're in their house longer, and they're looking to, uh, so they're looking to engage socially, but you know, physically distance. Maybe they're be online. Maybe, maybe it's going to forums. Going, uh, uh, talking to people in uh, in uh, chat rooms or in comment sections. Those always turn out Maybe, good. Yeah, everyone yeah. always yeah. is on their best behavior yeah. in those scenarios. Yeah, I feel like we just missed the fact that Jeff might have just threatened governments with nuclear war. <laughs> to be clear, he said nuclear. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. They both count now. I as the, one of the things I struggle with this is, um, he. Andy Stanley is operating out of a place of, uh, for lack of a better abundance. term, abundance. Abundance. He's got a staff of five hundred and fifty. That is massive, and I'd be willing to bet because they have remote campuses that they're already way dialed in and all their production and and video stuff. They didn't have to learn how to do this. Yeah, they didn't have to train and hire people to how to do this. Whereas our little church had really not been doing this at all and and it was not a simply you have the same hours in the day that you're just trying to figure out how to fill them what should i do with my time we have our staff that's like i need to now basically learn a new profession of how of how to be able to pull this off and and they're tapped out they're maxed out and um and they're just trying to figure out how to make this stuff work and on top of it you're right or you were saying like uh, how do I do outreach with people from a distance? Like, how do I... How do I do outreach with people who don't want to reach out? Yeah, who aren't reaching back. Oh, my God. If I was still on Twitter, I would, <laughs> I would tweet the crap out of that. So, I, I am at Bros Bibles Beer. Go right. Ahead. His his church is... I mean, they are so impacted with so many people. I mean, they have to do lockdowns just to make sure that they don't, you know... Overwhelm their their pews and seats and everything. I mean, it's just awful. I mean, keep people want to wear. Yeah, don't yeah. wear out those seats. Yeah, like, it's terrible. And obviously, I don't know the details of of how all his church systems work, but uh, but when I hear that, my first reaction is that's probably easier. It sounds easier for you to do it, and maybe it's not. Maybe he's just making it sound easy, but it sounds easier for you to do it than maybe most churches, because his is not the typical church in America. It is way outside it, the typical demographic. You're you're not wrong, and I think it's... It would be... What he just said there is the best argument for... If we're doing... If we're yes-anding all this, Andy. Yes, yes Andy. Andy. Uh, <laughs> then you have... Churches with huge budgets, they probably have a surplus of cash for situations like this. They're able to absorb the losses. Yeah. I don't remember if I clipped it in the next one, but I listened to this whole conversation and he did talk about it it not being it's 
I don't think it's sustainable for the church or any church that re- that has full-time staff, no matter what size. Sure. I don't think this type of thing is sustainable, but they do have the benefit of this huge church. And, but the benefit of that is they now, if they are really drilling down into, okay, individual pods we send out into the community with this budget we have, they have the ability to do things. It's, you could, there is a good side, a silver lining to that type of church. Um, as long as it's run well, yeah. there's a dark side of embe- embellishment and embezzlement and all that stuff that can happen too. And even good things can happen with that. Cause I think Red Cross, man, uh, a lot of their money does not go directly to where you think it's going, but the size is so big that there is some good that's done that, you can't be like, oh, Red Cross is all good or all bad. It's like it's one of those complicated things. And I think when you're a church that's of what that they said side, about Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. He's got that. Well, he made some good investments for his clients. Yeah, really good. Uh, uh, that's interesting how he got them to invest. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I buy the the Red Cross argument that, that like overall it's kind of a little bit better, so we should just. Okay no, I'm not, with it. No, I'm I'm not I'm not okay with Zach's fraud. advocating fraud and <laughs> embezzlement right now. I do struggle with it because I I have lots of questions about church. I think it's possible that the way of doing church where you have many full time like this is their yeah. career. Yeah, that might not be the most ideal scenario for how to do church. And I have really good friends that I love that are doing church that way. And this is not a knock on them. It's it's complicated. I'm just kind of exploring it. And I was given that permission by myself when I gave myself permission <laughs> to deconstruct and all that stuff. But um, so that's part of the scenario. This uh, the yeah. big church thing can seem kind of gross to people that love that tight community. Um, but there's stuff there that they are able to do because people believe in what they're doing and they have the budget for it. And I don't know. It would be it would be interesting to see how much uh, donations or tithing has dropped. A lot. It's that would be my guess. Pretty consistent. We we've wait. Dr- you mean consistent? Like it stayed at the levels it was. <laughs> it's been. It's the drop has is has been consistent, kind of nationwide. Lots of churches are seeing this as those. Uh, I think it's it's directly related to the ease of disconnecting again. Like if you draw it back to, uh, I I have little invested now. It's easy for me to withdraw. Um, and so, so a lot of churches that, that has been the trend in general of seeing giving go down. If we go to the, the other clip I pulled, um, he touches on, I think the credit or he talks more about the theology of, uh, why he's choosing to do that. And again, if it doesn't get fleshed out in this specific comment, he, he kind of said it in the last clip, which is. There's no one size fits all. And he recognizes people that people that need to do thing, things that they feel their family needs to do in the best way that's loving for their family is going to vary per family. It's going to vary per church because he does talk about love. And I know that word can be a trip up when it's like, what does it even mean? Yeah. But so if you, this will probably unflesh some. Yeah. Un- and there is a the- theological basis for this. And this is where maybe I, you know, part ways with some of those folks, um, John in particular, John MacArthur. I've never met John MacArthur. So I, you know, all I know is what I've read, I guess, like most people. You should go, um, you should, you should go to his home. Yeah. Andy. John said some. Is he, 
I don't want to make fun of his voice, statement. but all right, okay, all right. I, I'm wait, hold on. Was there? Did John MacArthur go to somebody's home? I don't know. That's why it seems like a weird statement. It's oddly specific that I feel like there's something tied to that. Yeah. I'll back it up. Hang on. No, it's what I've read. I guess like most people, you should go. Um, you should. You should go to his home. John said some him. not so nice things about <laughs> me, not by name, but he's you know he's made some comments about those who have uh, decided not to meet for the rest of the year. Yeah, he said um, that we aren't really a church and we don't know how <laughs> or don't care about shepherding our people. So I'm like, wow. Side note: When Lindsay and I were first dating in college, she went to a Friday night uh, service called Reality, which became Reality Church in Reality LA, and Britt Merrick was the pastor. Is there a Reality LA? Reality LA, oh, Reality Real, Church. Yeah, Reality. It's it's the same Reality LA. It's just called Reality. Anyway, uh, Britt Merrick is is the pastor, and I remember telling her uh, when we first met, I was like, "Yeah, well, that's not a church." <laughs> we had a big argument about it. like no that's just you you're going to college youth group that's not that's not church by the way that's that's a hell of a verb for a church i know a lot of the reality isn't there uh there's a is it instagram like random action verb or a youtube channel isn't oh, there like know. a fake worship band called random action verb because a lot of churches these days are i mean reality is not a verb but they're like elevator yeah. yeah this yeah yeah this started like 20 years ago so maybe they he said it in motion it actually is a really cool church he's actually he's he's a great a great speaker i don't know he's kind of stepped back in the last few years but uh but when we were talking about uh last or maybe the last couple of episodes about how uh my first encounter in orange county churches seemed like it was uh well, I'll put it this way. We've tried to go to, to Brit's church before in up in in Santa Barbara and couldn't get in. Oh wow. And if you didn't show up on if you didn't show up early, you didn't get in. And that has never happened once. And I'm not and it's Santa not Barbara a, is not like a conservative churchy type place at no, all. So not at all. And and it, these were it was big. It was a big church, probably held 1500 2000 maybe maybe uh 1500 anyway i'll uh, i'll stop talking about that that's a lot for someone i've never met but that's okay um i am convinced that on the night that jesus gathered with his apostles for his final passover yeah. that when he said to i a new command i give you i'm convinced that his new command is the marching orders for the church mm. this was the all encompassing it brings everything else up underneath it. This is the, if you forget everything else, remember this. He said, this is my new command. And of course, when he said, I give you a new command, he was doing something only God You can write this do. down, he Jeff? Was, you got your pen ready? He wasn't exegeting commands. He was replacing and giving a new one. Mm. He said, you are to love one another. And that wasn't new, to which he would have said, well, I'm not through. You are to love one another as I have loved you. And then the next yeah. day, and they thought that was great because Matthew remembered, oh, yeah, that's good because when you met me, I wasn't worth loving. And, you know, you gave me a new profession and you made me famous. And, you know, he could have gone around the room and said, remember when I met you, Nathaniel, you know. But the next day he put on a demonstration of love, of course, that took 
their breath away because it took his breath away. And they understood that that marching orders for his ecclesia, his movement, is to ask the question, what does love require of me? And not just love that I've experienced with other people. What does this profound love that Jesus demonstrated when he gave his life on behalf of humanity? So Jesus says, you are to love one another the way that I have loved you. This is, you know, the golden rule is love the way you want to be loved. He said, no, we're done with that. This is a whole new level. This is the platinum rule. You are to love each other the way that. All right. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> you can hear I got a phone call right there and I faded down. But it was right where I was going to cut it. I did. I ran out of time. I, I wasn't able to cut it cleanly, but I didn't take the phone call, guys, just in case you wanted to know. Cause uh, it was just, it was, I was late on it, but I was going to cue this up. Sorry. I should have. I was. I was too slow on putting that up. Well, if you would have, if you would have put that up on the fly, yeah, uh, that would have gave me a technical figurative beat. <laughs> That's impressive. So, so I, I'm not sure. I'm. I'm trying to connect his last statement of of saying that uh, Jesus' commandment to love one another. So that was it related to what they were talking about was how their decision to close down and and w- what the church is to do now is love the hard way which is self-sacrificial and he's recognizing that that is going to look different to different communities there's no one size fits all but for them that was the justification for we're going to shut down and we're going to see what we can do uh differently now that we didn't have the need or the excuse to do before and that's it sounds like like community action and like small groups and maybe getting people together in small ways and facilitating that stuff but yeah the the love thing is like shutting down for them was the loving thing thing to do yes that's because it's not like i i would think macarthur saying no we're gonna stay i can hear you breathing jeff i just so you know i can hear you breathing in my ears (laughs) just I'm thinking so I, heavily. I know. <laughs> I know Jeff's got thoughts. Corinth and Ephesus, Paul, they're all coming through. I'm like, does that church like is just reaching out some way doing, you know, is that doing church? Um, that's, I mean, that's what I was heavily breathing about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think generalizing that, that idea too much leads to this kind of he's saying we need to shut down because of south sacrificial love which that might be going to what you're saying andy like how are those two connected macarthur might be saying no south sacrificial love is staying open so that people have a place to come Uh, uh, amen right so i i (laughs) i just jumping to that well, the command is self-sacrificial love. Well, okay, well, you got to define that first. You can't just throw it out. And, well, and keep you know. keep in mind, he's he's not saying this is the way churches need to operate all the time. When you have that big ass conversation, that conversation that he has, convert, congregation, Thank you. Um, oh, when you have that, that's going to change. When compilation. You, when you got a compilation the size of his. Uh, it's going to change the way you do church. And when they, they they have that many people, I don't know, they made that decision. And 
I don't, th- I don't get the, uh, I don't ha- get the feeling that this is like the way other churches, churches should do it. Uh, but that's his take on why well, they are doing it. He's influential and, and, he's very influential. and he has to take that into account that when he's saying, you know, the subtext of this is this is what we're doing and this is how we do it and this is how we're interpreting uh self-sacrificial love he he has to know that there's there's an implication that others will take that as the way to do things too yeah especially if if you're following the church a church growth model or like this is not a a dig but a lot of churches look to the big churches and like how oh how are they doing it what's working for them let's do that and so yes that's gonna Tons of churches do that. Yeah. Want to follow what Jesus taught? No, I don't. I don't. Go ahead. I don't necessarily that mind. Uh, that was. When Jeff says it, it, it he doesn't pinchy. want you to finish it. He wants yeah. to talk. <laughs> you, would do it, you would do it like livingwater.co.org backslash. Scott. UK. Scott, what are the, what, what uh, areas of the world, countries of the world are Christians being persecuted and they're like, they're meeting privately. They're hiding China in the middle East. A lot of, they're going, okay. They're going against the governments. They're going against all in the name, their family, all in the name of Jesus Christ. Somalia, Sudan. And how quickly, right. How quickly Americans gave up on Jesus and doing church and meeting together just by our little government or one person saying no. And yeah. we're like, okay. Yeah. Well, nope. that's, that's, that's the, that's the what dilemma, kind of, man. Yeah. What's going to happen if actual persecution hits America? Well, thank you for saying that because <laughs> I was just going to play devil's advocate against Jeff in that, this situation, there's there's not arrests being made on people worshiping freely right now. The worship has just changed. Uh, it's not like, no, there have been pastors that have been arrested. Right. And, well, maybe. But I think that there are going to be a shit ton of lawsuits if if that has actually happened because you, the Constitution does not allow it. Now, if if it becomes a pattern, it's something to watch for. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but... Uh, well, the perfect example is the senator or congressman who was asked, I mean, did you think about the Constitution? But he's like, well, that's above my pay grade. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. welcome what? to a lawsuit, idiot. What an idiot. Yeah, welcome to maybe not having a job the same yeah. way you do now in the but, near but, future. But I go to Jeff's Everything point is, will be above your pay grade right. as you are no longer <laughs> going to be paid. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fines. There are people uh, in Kentucky, I think, they met outside. And they were fined. Now I think later on uh, they they uh, rescinded. They rescinded the fines. Thank you. I, was, I, was, I, I would have struggled. To... Uh, and then with MacArthur's facing, I think him and another another congregation in California, they're facing. I think the fines are would be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's a thousand bucks a day. That's yeah. related to. Yeah. Again, this is in that weird gray area. It's related to like property and like what's owned, what's not the, the parking lot is in play. Not the Or fines. is it just like doing church? No, it's separate. That, that is a power play move that they, that the city basically said, we're not going to renew your lease for your, for the property that they had for parking specifically, which felt a little like retribution was going on there. 
but uh, but they are threatened with every day that they are open, uh, they will face a thousand dollar fine. To which John MacArthur said, "Bring it on!" Effectively, like that's fine. I'm sure he care. has enough people who would gladly yeah. pay that. Yeah, that's the way these things work. Is that you, Batman needs his uh, his Joker. Well, there's no different with uh, Elon needs Musk. His, uh, Elon Musk Bill doing the you know standing up Governor Newsom. He's like, "We'll leave then." Yeah, you know, he's like, "Oh, oh." Okay, okay, you you can keep working. And they still, well, that's the. I think that's the. That's right, yeah, bitch. We, we too have late, dog. <laughs> too late. We have the ability in America to to stand up and say no. And yeah, I think that's your point, Jeff. Is we that do. so many so many churches just caved pushovers? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now it it might not be fair to just say, oh, they caved just to the pressure, but it could be a combination of okay, this COVID thing. Yeah, pretty, pretty serious, and we don't want to get our people sick. That's what and I die. think. And so MacArthur's I, yeah. blind spot is that he feels really passionate in this one direction. That there's there's a lot of merit to it. Um, if even like five percent of what he's saying is true, or or like if he even if there was a potentiality for to get juicy to get juicy <laughs> for the law to to go against the church, that's like that's constitutional shit that that can is not undoable without a hefty uh congressional skirmish uh so it's th- there is some weight to that but his blind side is like because he feels so passionate about this this is what god well, wants that that if you're not doing it the way i'm doing it then it, there's a problem so to his credit and i and i did read it they released like a Five or six Grace page. to you, Andy. <laughs> they did release like a five or six page um, explanation, biblical explanation of why they're staying open, and they and it's pretty thorough. Yeah, and, and it's uh, and it's interesting because both Andy Stanley and John MacArthur represent the bookends of how church leadership has addressed this or in, in, engaged with with this whole situation. One was Andy Stanley just saying, well, and I literally heard him say, not in this, uh, not in this clip that you gave, but earlier it was, we're going to show real leadership and shut down. And that, and that's it. And he said, this is, this is how we're demonstrating leadership is by shutting down. I'm slightly paraphrasing, but if right, right. you can look it up, it's, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't I'm not putting sound, words in his mouth. You're not being cheap. No, no, I. I, I feel like I'm still representing him. And then there's the flip side, which MacArthur would say, this is this is biblical leadership, and this is a, a biblical reason for why we're making these decisions that church needs to stay open. Um, and it's interesting to see how you have these two like polar opposites that, again, are bookending how church leadership is, is interpreting this whole situation. Which Any, is a weird yeah. way. <laughs> it's... In, <laughs> This is the thing. <laughs> Go ahead. And no, real quickly, this is how things move forward. Is these weird things that seem contradictory, or people cannot believe how this group we're supposed to be on the same team and they're doing this way. This is how the church is going to survive and get through this. And everyone's going to adjust on the other side of this. It's how any reaction to a crisis happens. There is perceived overreactions and underreactions. And somehow 
humanity survives, gets through it, and gets better. And I think the same is, I'm hopeful that the same thing is true for the church. Big church, whatever church means. The church. Not individual Sunday morning church, overall the church. And uh, Jeff, you were going to say? I forgot. I forgot. There's some There's brokenness some bro- in church that has come from this. And I do not, I don't think, I mean, we can kid ourselves and say, we're going to come back stronger. Or as Joe Biden would say, we're going to build back. Better. Build better. That's the stupidest campaign slogan ever. And if you're listening, you've never heard this. That's the WHO, Canada, and about dozen other countries say. The UN has it too. UN, we're going to build back better. Yeah. Well, that's a bunch of BS. Uh, it's just a the idea that we're going to come through this and be stronger. It's like a football coach saying, you know, we're going to make the, you know, it's not. It's like a raw, raw thing, but they're we're pissed it's too not because happen. It, we're pissed too because they're starting a new BBB pod. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> f that, Bill you know. Back better. Build back better with no beer. What? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a shit show. The Andy Stanley. I think the idea of shutting down and saying that's leadership is more like French leadership. Put up a white flag and walk away. Ooh, shots fired and. And I think John, it's John MacArthur's church. That McCarthy. More McCarthy. McCarthy. McCarthyism. Grace to you, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. McCarthy. <laughs> just, to, just for anyway. anyone who might be a new listener who hasn't gone back, uh, there was an episode way back. The when, first time he got mentioned, I think. Yeah. So Jeff's talking about, oh, he listens to the show, Grace to You, all the time. And I think it was that same episode we we, we started talking about John MacArthur and Jeff goes... Oh wait, who's John MacArthur? And I think we lost. We both lost it. We both, we both lost it. He didn't know that. that and Grace I think was... you referenced him at some point as John McCarthy, and so like now every time, Grace to me, it's the new McCarthyism. He was one of the Beatles, right? <laughs> My worry is that that people will they will have been disconnected from the church so much that um, they'll never come back. And it's not that, I mean, that's a part of their, yeah, but that is a part of their journey. So we're all, we're all dealt challenges and, and successes and, and just neutral times in life. And it's really processing all of what happens in our lives day to day that we figure um you know, am I growing? Am I doing anything with my life? I mean, you could have been somebody who got disconnected from church and then you just, you realize you're just floating along in life and maybe you, you know, that leads you to some other connection point. So, you know, it's not that God isn't going to work in someone's life. That's, that's really, um, you know, they don't even need to be looking for it. God will just knock on the door and you never know. But I think shutting down church has been a, a, a very negative thing. And I think it's something that should have never, ever happened. Well, it's, it's, I don't know. Do you guys think it's fair to say that God doesn't want anyone to feel or be disconnected? Uh, I would agree. I I would say as a normal course, uh, there would be, there would be the idea that in order for them to grow, they might need to go through a period of that. But the ultimate thing would be that we 
we would all be connected as a church, as a one body yeah. in Christ. Yeah. That was a hell of a clarification, Scott. That was that was pretty good. Well, you Thank got you. one more clip on here. Uh, I don't know if it still makes sense. It's not going to be related to this conversation. It's more related to presidential politics and uh, Zach's pet peeve about why people can't learn from the gift that is Trump. Ooh, fun, fun, fun. Let's go. Fun, fun. Let's finish and, on a fun uh, note. So let me set it up a little bit. I, I don't... Uh, hey, we got debates. Zach, this is the, set it up. Okay, this, set it up, Zach. Can I set? What, can I have permission to set it up big, you know, bigly? Hey, do whatever you got to do. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it could. It could work. <laughs> I don't hate that. I don't hate your impression. I still feel like we should take more calls from Trump, but so <laughs> people. But uh, this is also from a podcast. Um. The previous one I mentioned, uh, Useful Idiots, with Matt Taibbi. I'm entering... Well, on the warfront, and okay, you had... Okay, sorry. What yep. language was that? <laughs> was that just fast talking? So what he's doing is they had, on a recent episode, a Yale professor of law and history, uh, Samuel Moyne, uh, talking about the lack of interest in reforming presidential power because a lot of people are freaked out about this fascist. We have an alleged fascist in uh, an audience um, from the perspective of, of the left or people that are freaked out about a person that has a, this kind of power. And he's like, mm, so maybe we should look at pulling that back. Yeah. Who has, I, po- I, who has power? I've, I've heard I presidential heard, power. I've heard from someone on the left um, if he's reelected, he will destroy our democracy. Did you explain to them that we have a republic? <laughs> I, I tried, but you can't. You can't even question the the statement, Nick. There's no conversation. All right, here it is. Well, on the war front, I know Katie, you had some questions about this, but uh, yeah, just briefly, if you could just touch on a little bit on on how. I mean, I, I guess this goes back to the to the 70s, really, right? But Wait, pause but, it real uh, quick. But especially during since this gives me encouragement and I wanted to encourage the three of you bros that I like Matt Taibbi. I do not agree with him. I think he's all the time. I think he's a smart dude. He's a great reporter. And just to hear him kind of stumble over his words on his podcast, which is a big podcast asking this professor a question. I'm like, there's hope for us because because every time I listen back to myself, I'm like, oh my god, speak clearly, communicate better. You can do better. And now I'm grinding my teeth. And my Build back better, Zach. Build back better. He probably hasn't even been drinking. So I, I know. Mean, can you imagine how much better this would be? <laughs> Since the Bush years, the the legislature has continually walked back its own authority, even or even potential authority on. Uh, military action. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So um, kind of another really interesting feature of our times is that we have this alleged fascist in the White House who's who's kind of definitively revealed um, the dark side of the modern presidency. And I'm not saying there aren't going to be reforms but uh, after Trump, but it's really night and day compared to the, the 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 moment in the 1970s. Where not just because Richard Nixon was evil, but because there was a recognition that the American state, um, in war making and surveillance, 
CIA uh, malfeasance had had been so unethical that there needed to be major reforms. You know, amazingly, in spite of the the a lot of the resistance discourse in the past few years, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of appetite for having that kind of moment after Trump leaves the White House. You'd think it would have to do with a, a lot of things, not just the low-hanging fruit like forcing presidents to share their medical records and taxes, making sure that there are rules against the kind of naked corruption and self-dealing in which Trump and his friends have engaged in. Wait, is he positioning this as this is new somehow to the Trump administration? I think in the, no, in the context, and I, th- I think it comes out in a second, but it's, it's, he's getting towards, people are so afraid of Trump, but, but the impetus on the left is to get their person in so they can, they can do, they can exercise the power the way Trump has in the way that's good for them. Yeah, and he's like, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Maybe we should look at, see what you hate about Trump. If if you hate Trump, uh, it's less like declaring this. These things are wrong about Trump. That those are props for his the big picture of like we maybe should look at executive power because Congress used to have the power and they're supposed to have the power of the purse over war and all that stuff, and now it's been like President Obama, President Bush, President Trump. Well, Trump really hasn't done that much. This but, executive order crap has got to yeah, go. Yeah, and that kind of, I think Clinton did it, and I think the younger Bush kind of ramped that up, and I think he touches on that, and he's like, maybe we should... Uh, that was a big argument on the from the right side against Obama, was the, was the number of executive orders that he executed right. yeah. was like... It was a lot. It was record-setting. I don't, I don't know what the number is for Trump this year, but uh, I agree, like... It's it's used as an end run around the and legislative guy. branch. It's our guy. We trust our guy. And it's like, no, the, this is why one of the reasons America is special is not because it's not flawed. It's because there have been these checks in place yeah, checks and to prevent a douchebag, your worst enemy. And for a lot of people, that is Trump. I'm not making a statement on, behind, on behalf of Bros, Bibles, and Beer, but... It is Trump, and therefore we need to, you know, if your worst enemy has all the power you think they do, you might want to check that power and not be like, well, we're going to get it and we're going to use it on you. Yeah, right. If we if we reelect Clinton, we're, the moral fabric of our of our country is going to deteriorate. Yes, yeah. that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bush, they used 9-11 to undo everything that's like, Everything's international security, uh, you know, just executive orders for everything and so much red tape. And then just going well, forward uh, into the Obama and then... Who could argue with something called the Patriot Act? Are you not a patriot? <laughs> or, the, or the Affordable Care Act, the Defense of Children Act, like whatever you think about... No Child Left Behind. No Child Left Behind. Oh, you want to leave him behind? <laughs> These are generally named Evil. in the opposite of what they actually do. That's my favorite. The opposite. I hit play. Oh, balls. Well, we're going to refresh because he, you know. He, well, why he's refreshing. He brings the thunder home. Now, it should be noted, I think I did lightly edit for time's sake. Nope. Making sure 
that there are rules against the kind of naked corruption and self-dealing in which Trump and his friends have engaged in, but also like giving another look at the presidency we created under under you know prior executives that Trump inherited, and and maybe above all in the war making context. So after Vietnam and Nixon, there was this War Powers Resolution, which Nixon actually vetoed, um, but passed anyway, and. It, it was intended to force Congress back into the you know, cockpit of American war making um, as the founders had designed it in the first place. Um, that law has been basically reduced to meaninglessness, not just by Republicans, but by Democrats like Barack Obama during the um, Libyan intervention. It would be great if, if we could, you know, could, could generate the political will um, to make people take seriously the rhetoric they've deployed about about what Trump has meant for the United States, I, I worry that after he falls, it's it's as if there'll be a lot of scapegoating or what I've called Trump washing, and people will say the problem was Trump, not the presidency, and in effect, we'll have a restoration of the status quo ante where you know people in both parties will will would rather have the, a powerful president in spite of Trump than engage in this kind of reform. Ooh, yeah, that is, that gave me the, I was very excited. I'll just say, I I love it when things are called out, but like the big truth is called out politically. I love politics. I get why people are afraid on both sides. I got family on both sides. Well, no, my family's on one side, but I got really good friends on both sides. And we got to realize we're part of something bigger that, that needs significant change and it's not going to be Joe Biden's not going to save the day. Trump is not going to save the day, maybe in little ways here or there, depending on your proclivities, but not ultimately. Yeah. We're seeing that with the, the Supreme court thing. They, I think under Obama, the Democrats, they had the, they had the president and the Senator of the house or maybe both. both. A supermajority for two years. Yeah, and what they passed is in order to confirm a Supreme Court justice, the filibuster. They well, I don't know if they got rid of the filibuster on then or if it, if that uh, if that ended before that, but they passed they passed it so you only need a simple majority to confirm a, a Supreme Court justice. So before it was sixty think, yeah, votes. That's what it w- that yeah. was Harry Reid, I think, in the House at the time. Yeah. So they passed that under Obama, and now, so it makes it easier to confirm a justice because you just need the majority. So if you hold and the Republicans House- Republicans were saying, right. we're going to use this against you. Yeah. Because it was a big change. It yeah. means you got to really vet a Supreme Court person. There has to be a compromise to get that person through. Yeah. And your simple majority is like, that can swing one way or the other, depending on the political season. Yeah. And so now that Trump, uh, that's one of the reasons why they're so afraid. They're eating is because, craw now. Yeah. And and then now now they're talking about what's called packing the court. So when, when they get in power, they're going to uh, increase the number of judges on the Supreme Court. And then because that because they'll have the presidency, or this is what they're thinking, then they'll, they'll be able to nominate all, all the people to fill in Which those seats. Which is what happened last time. It was Merrick. Merrick Garland was nominated by Obama mm-hmm. and the Republicans kind of the Senate. They, they kinda, didn't vote. 
Yes, they they did kind of what the Democrats are doing now, which, guys, this is why they're all contradictory. Um, be well, no, I think that's a separate. I think that's yeah, a separate. Whatever, a separate point. Whatever favors yeah. whatever in favors the moment, their political power in the moment, they they will flip on a coin. Whatever arguments are happening now against filling the seat left by the notorious RGB is the Red, same. Green, argu- blue. <laughs> this, the same RBG. I literally tried. I know people have m- messed that up, and I tried not to, but I can't help it, guys. Thank you for your courage and patience. But you flip Democrats and Republicans right now are doing what was the opposite of what they were doing when mm-hmm. Obama nominated Merrick Garland. And they're like, Democrats kind of went along with it because they're like, there's no way. There's no way that it's slightly different. Um, I, I think there's I think there's tradition in, from what I've heard um, that because Obama was serving his second term. Oh yeah, that, that has been the tradition. The tradition is that you you can you block that or you wait. But if if the current president is not serving their second term, they're still in their first term, then it it's a little bit different. Right. Have uh, you heard there is some golden tape of it is so priceless of the contradiction of why principles don't matter, what matters is political power. And it's a uh, I don't remember if it's Lindsey Graham. Yeah. I think it's Lindsey Graham talking about like, hold me to it. You know, you know, we, <laughs> if, if this comes up in the, in the future, I will not do this. There's no way. Basically when Merrick Garland was nominated, no, we'll push this off. Cause I won't do this. If the f- script were flipped, I wouldn't do this. Well, and this is, it's one of the interesting things about the Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, her famous last words, um, Ruth Gator, Binsberg, yeah, Danzig, uh, Tony, her son, Glenn Dag- Danzig is the new. Uh, uh, but her famous last words were: "She hopes that uh, her replacement will be with the new president." Uh, but uh, but when uh, she was sitting, uh, when she was a judge and still breathing, she said, "No, the president, he's elected for four years, not three. So in relation to a president nominating a Supreme Court justice, he has all four years to do that. Those were right. her words when she was still sane or and still it, hasn't, and it's, and it's wasn't over 80. And, and maybe she said she had famous, yeah. Uh, yeah. And she didn't say that in her final words, for goodness sake. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up with, uh, are we doing what are you consuming? Insert jingle here in the future. Bonk. <laughs> what video well, game Andy was that? put a smoking jacket on He's got a cigar in his mouth And a book opened on his knee I've So what are you consuming? I've fine literature in my study Everybody sit Indian style and listen to Andy I've got books to read uh, I picked up a book that uh, we, we had looked at a year ago maybe We did a version of Sober October Where it's like let's stop drinking for a while And read something and talk about it this is really weird because uh, unintentionally it's coincided with me. So I picked up this book and started reading it again this morning. And I also started the Whole30 diet, which is basically getting you away from putting anything that you enjoy tasting into your mouth. Ever. Only one of the, only one of those two <laughs> it's things. A weird way to describe that. Only one of those two things is a good decision. Continue. That's yeah. going to make my teeth crack. Yeah. So so yeah, I can't eat. I can't eat anything that I enjoy, and I can't. That's not true. But 
there's barely anything and then and no booze so i am sober but i'm uh rereading this and the book is called the madness of crowds gender race and identity by douglas murray and the little brief inside jacket says uh we are living in a postmodern era in which the grand narratives of religion and political ideology have collapsed in their place have emerged a crusading desire to right perceived wrongs and a weaponization of identity both accelerated by the new forms of Uh, societal and news media narrow sets of interests now dominate the agenda as society becomes more and more tribal and as murray shows the casualties are mounting it's pretty fascinating um and i think he is gay he's gay and married he's he's gay and married not a christian but he espouses christian values and he talks a lot about the importance of the influence of Christianity on Western societies and how that makes Western societies vastly better in the sense of we get we are a better society yeah. through because cooperation, of these yeah, than societies that don't have these values. Yeah, very interesting. He's he he tends to write pretty impartially. Like he's, I mean, he 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 does have a uh, maybe maybe that's not the he he does have a position. He's definitely coming from a certain position, but uh, he he is examining all things, and he's trying to give very clear, specific examples. So the one that, like this morning that I just read the little section of the chapter was talking about, um, it was it was uh, showing the the this weird like uh, juxtaposition of women um, pushing uh, pushing women's rights forward in the middle of the Me Too movement and talk and describing um drew barrymore standing up on letterman's desk flashing her flashing him uh on national television as everybody clapped and cheered and thought it was great and and her even looking back on that in like 2016 being interviewed by colbert and being like yeah i know that's kind of funny but you know it's still supporting it and and basically like not apologizing for for this kind of behavior and how um, how the irony of those two things, like being in competition with each other, saying, don't objectify women. Also, I flashed my boobs on <laughs> national television to, to, to Letterman. It's, yeah. So it's a really interesting book. But between that and it's all Lakers all the time because they're back in the championship, baby, for the first time in 10 years almost against the Celtics it would have been poetic oh. because that was the last championship that Kobe was in mm. yeah beating the Celtics well, would have been they're glorious. still going to win for Kobe yes this one's going for Kobe so that's what i've been consuming yeah before i forget i've been consuming uh the no agenda podcast and i started listening to Ben Shapiro a couple weeks ago and all of it's just good information and yeah, do you uh, like what I have to say? Yeah, right. He talks at million do you like miles how fast I'm talking. <laughs> Serious. Uh, he just he just coasts into and uh, Express VPN. I'm like, whoa! That, I'm in the middle of an advertisement. I didn't even know it. It's fantastic. We're gonna He's, take a break for Express VPN <laughs> promo code uh, Benji Bureau. Okay, we're back to the show. <laughs> Autistic anyway. Adam Smith is what the comedian <laughs> Andrew Schwartz calls him. I'm I'm all in, and I've been just consuming so much information on what's literally going on out there and then listening to both sides. I'll turn on CNN for 15 minutes 
and I'll turn on Fox News and I'll be like, what a bunch of crap this is. Like, just keep serving up your crap. It should just say Jerry Springer episode from 8 a.m. to midnight on everything because it's all just a joke. You are not the father. (laughs) (laughs) In your face. (laughs) That's an actual quote from an episode. You can't be offended at what Andy just said. I didn't actually finish the word. No. Well, I heard it. (laughs) Scott? Uh, I've kind of switched up a little bit. I've I've gone from the, what was that? uh, Doom... Doom surfing. Uh, yeah, I've Doom got, surfing. I've gone That's the name from of my new band. Doom surfing uh, to consuming a lot of hunting videos on the YouTube. I watch a lot of YouTube. Mostly uh, animals? Getting ready for the Civil War? Mostly mostly animals. Mostly hunting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's some, you know, some mixture. Okay. Uh, what was that movie with, <laughs> with Ice-T years uh, ago? Yeah, when he he goes to the island. Prey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 he, and they hunt him. Is yes. there yeah. any point where he says, now that's what I'm talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the game? No, no, no. The no, game that. is with Kurt, uh, whatever. Yeah. It's not Ice-T. Okay, so, oh, shoot. The game is... That's where he jumps through the thing he thinks he's committing suicide. That is a at Michael Doug, Michael, Michael Douglas, Douglas and Sean yes. Penn. Sean Penn. Yeah, that was a good. That's that a was good a good one. It's incredible. Movie. But it was nothing to do with hunting, though. It was. Let's say the game, but yeah, maybe we'll, we'll find it. We'll yeah. put it in the show notes. Yeah. So hunting videos. Hunting. Yeah, because I want. I've, I want to get hunting for a while. Uh, YouTube channel. There's uh, a story. Oh, Anthony Hopkins yeah. where the bear is hunting. Sir uh, Anthony Hopkins and his buddy. No, that's not the hunted. Whatever. Ah, anyway. It's hunting. Uh, dang. Uh, yeah, the Randy Newberg. Um, he's he's just he's fun to listen to. Surviving the game. Surviving the game. You I saw. Were, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Surviving the game. <laughs> Next, a Jerry Springer. Uh, but Survive. but uh, Meat Eater. Meat Eater has has some good stuff. Um. Uh. Yeah. Last episode though you said that you were consuming big thoughts oh yeah yeah so they're not well it's a it's a big it'd be a big change um and i'm still not sure if that's going to come to fruition yet yeah we had that big teaser i totally forgot um i thought i thought we would know already but Maybe maybe on Wednesday. I hope it's a boy. Something. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm gonna. Hey, I'm this gonna, is gonna go another week. I'm gonna let Zer decide. <laughs> Zer, either that. Oh no, Zit. I'm gonna let Zit decide. <laughs> Zit. That, is that a real one? It has to be. Zit. They can't. They can't say I don't no. Even know what we're talking. They can't. If they, the listener's gone, well, and, all yeah. right. They can't. They can't exclude. Anything that someone wants to be called. It's either That'd that be... or I hope that your regendering goes well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, COVID has postponed a lot. of. All right. So do you think next week we'll, we'll be able to? Potentially. All right. Yeah, I hope so. Well, actually, next week, either way. Either I th- way. I think we'll know. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Are you buying a house, Scott? Listener. Uh, no, the market's going to tank here soon. <laughs> Scott, 10 years in a row. Very consistent. Market's going to tank. Any day now. All right. So that that's a good teaser for next week. 
I'm not cutting you off. You'll have your chance, Zach. But listener, I mean, tune in next week to find out what the big news is. Yeah, yeah. It's, Hell yeah! It's, uh, some people are going to be excited. Ooh. Oh, oh my god! Some gosh. people are going to be devastated. Oh, oh no! Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't. Oh, I was just going to guess what the other one was. After you said some, some people are going to like it, I was going to guess. Can I guess? Some, you're tearing out all of people, the King James Bible. Some people out of the will book. love me. Some people will really love me. This is exactly, crazy. exactly. I would have been wrong. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zach, what are you consuming? Right. I got it. I have a thing. Uh, it's called, it's a book called Reviving Old Scratch uh, by Richard Beck. He's brought uh, to you by Gold Bond Powder. <laughs> is this about your taint again? Bond. <laughs> you can put that on anything. <laughs> you know, I've rode the fence so long that I can't that feel anything. So it's calloused. <laughs> no need for... Is... You guys up for some bonding time? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that, that is so a Ben Shapiro bonding time. That's gold bomb powder. <laughs> uh, Richard Beck, he's a psychologist, uh, Abilene Christian University, professor of psychology. Uh Reviving Old Scratch, Demons and the Devil for Doubters and the Disenchanted. And I have a quote from the book. It's Alliteration Monday. Yeah, and um, I consider myself doubter, doubt, uh, definitely a doubter, maybe disenchanted, depending on the subject. And definitely spiritual warfare is a thing that I grew up like, this is the thing. Uh, the, what was the author? Peretti? Was it Frank Peretti. Frank Peretti. Frank Peretti. This present, present Darkness. darkness? Yeah, I definitely grew yeah. up with parents reading that and loving that and being in the, like, this This is the way spiritual warfare works, even though those were fiction. And, you know, going through the deconstruction that's been outlined on this podcast and stuff, one of the things is, like, I, I know so many people that claim the devil made them do it or they blame spiritual forces or they're under attack when it's like, no, you just suck at this thing. Or no, you just, you're a terrible person that doesn't deserve that job. Or you see real world influences that are impacting their lives that they're attributing to individual demonic forces. I got tired of that. Totally doubt that stuff. This is my attempt to be open-handed towards spiritual nature of life. It was recommended uh, by a couple people about Hey, if you you're struggling with the like, is it real? Is it not? This is a good one. So, and this this uh, quote I highlighted from the book before we get out of here uh, illustrates my fascination with uh, picking apart whatever. Su- generally, we like to think of things as A or B, left, right, progressive, conservative, and how often both sides can be onto something and also be missing something. So he says in this section of the book that you'll have to find if you read it. Too many Christians are playing Thomas Jefferson with Jesus. We wind up following a Swiss cheese Jesus, a Jesus full of holes, snipped to suit our preferences and prejudices. And when it comes to Jesus' battle with Satan, both conservative and progressive Christians snip out critical parts of the conflict. With their focus on traditional family values, the pro- Protestant work work ethic and God and country patriotism, conservative Christians snip out the Jesus who marginalized the family, who was a friend of sinners, who sided with the poor against the rich, who was executed by the state for sedition, snip, 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 
progressive Christians snip out different stuff, we're aware, and I'm guessing he's including himself in that, we're aware that Jesus was executed by the state, but failed to notice that Jesus' battle with Satan didn't look a whole lot like what, what we describe as political activism. Jesus lived under empire, one of the most exploitive and oppressive in world history, and yet Jesus never led a protest against Roman occupation. Jesus didn't lead a march on Rome or carry a sign through downtown Jerusalem protesting Roman occupation or oppression. Jesus' one disruptive action clearing the temple was a restoration of a house of worship so that it could be a house of prayer. And most worryingly, Jesus was routinely gracious to the colonial occupiers and agents of empire like tax collectors and Roman centurions to say nothing of telling his oppressed countrymen to love your enemies. We fail to grasp the exact nature of Jesus' provocation because of all the snipping that's been going on. With old scratch snipped out of the Gospels, old scratch is the devil, by the way, we've lost track of what Jesus was up to and why he was killed. But so far, I'm like I'm like a th- two-thirds through, maybe a little more than halfway, and uh, it's it's a good read. It's smart, well put together, and he has something to say to no matter where you're at on the theological spectrum. Any chance you could read a, a couple of chapters, record it, so I could listen to your beautiful, soothing voice? That's very generous. As I well, could run to, I could run to your voice for hours. Could do it. I mean, yeah, I could record it and send it to you in Dropbox or something. As long as you're not going to sell it. Yeah, that'd okay. be okay. Hey, it took all I had to keep that together as. One of the four like that. that's not um, that's that is drinking, since everyone else is dry. Well, Jeff helped me out with one. Uh, I am okay, but with a little buzz going on, you know, reading can be a challenge. So I appreciate you, Jeff. <laughs> I love I, I loved it. <laughs> it stuck out to me right at the beginning when you were talking. A plus about. for you, Zach. <laughs> I just remember this comedian. Uh, explaining once how he thought it was interesting that that when interviews would happen with athletes at the end of the game that they would always be thanking god thanking jesus for for helping their team win and he's like why do you never see that on the other side on the losing side you know where why does why does god only get all the praise for all the things that went right with for that team the winning team and none of the blame and he's like you know i'd like to for one time see someone get up there and be like well the 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 reporter go. So what happened out there? And and that player to step up and go. I mean, we were doing great till Jesus made me fumble. Yeah, God <laughs> hates our team. <laughs> it's why I don't like Russell Wilson because I. It's he won early. The way he gave credit to God, I don't want shitty theology rewarded. Oh, so I, I actively re- root against Russell Wilson. <laughs> hey, if Saturday Night Live could actually be funny again, they would do skits like what you just mentioned. That would be fantastic. Make fun of religion, go after it all, and and be funny. Jeff, they've still been doing it, and they're, it's it just sucks. as good. It's just as good on Zoom. I mean, we don't we don't need to go back. <laughs> they're like paintings on walls and making something like, "Yep, you guys suck." When you're not in front of an audience, all those shows. There was a quick, there was a quick realization with a lot of those shows that are just so well uh, inflated with budgets and like tons of money, big networks. And then as soon as they can't 
they can't use their studios or whatever and they're in their own houses, it's like, oh, well, shit. There's so many YouTubers that are doing a way better yeah. job. Oh, than my god, And they have been forever. Yeah. There's high school kids doing a better job. Uh, yeah. yeah, that... that uh, I think that may have a long-lasting effect on content in general. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe yeah. not. But on that note... I love you guys. <laughs> I... Does that work? I accept that. Thank you. I accept your love. (laughs) You too, man. Is that the beer talking? Um, No, don't. don't. What is that? Did the devil make you do that? No, ask God. I am the love guy. I love you guys. I'm all about that love. They call him. Back back row love and Zach. Hey, do you have... (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa. Easy, Scott. Back row love and Zach. yeah do you ever do the yeah love you too man as opposed to uh, i love you like there seems to be a little different do you ever like oh, yeah. feel awkward especially when you give direct eye contact with your eyes slightly crossed <laughs> okay, <for laughs> slightly <laughs> crossed that's what your sister does yeah <laughs> wait what my actual sister, or is that from uh, a? Is that a I've quote? Seen her do, well, no. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she, she'll she just goes, turn yeah. around and like look at you, like, "Hey, Andy." <laughs> so if you, no, but if you send a text, think of it as a text. Is there a difference? You're like, "Hey, love you, man." Like you're in a conversation. Hey, love you, man. See you. See you Saturday. Um, or I love you. I love you so I, hard. <laughs> okay, you don't even have to put so hard. I love you so hard. Man. You know what? Since you asked Jeff, there is a difference between those two dichotomies. <laughs> Yes, and how does it make you feel? Okay, tomorrow, all of us are sending each other at some point in time. I'm going to send you the link to... And I love you. Eric Cartman from South Park saying... (laughs) Love Jesus, in love with Jesus, what's the difference? (laughs) That episode is so terrible, man. It's the best of the best. It's It's accurate. I'm taking South Park over the Simpsons and everything else. It's when he has his his Christian band called Faith Plus One. (laughs) (laughs) It's real. There's so much that's real in it. I couldn't even finish the episode. I was like, this is... There's so much that's accurate. It's, It's uncanny. I I know from insiders. Dude, Scott, yeah. you should have some of the uh, good food they have on South Park from Shitty Walk. Anyway. Shitty, shitty beef. All right. This feels like a good time to ask for, beg for, prayer. for people. <laughs> ask for prayer in the shape of ratings and reviews. If you could pray, actually, the first person that gives us a review on Apple Podcasts in the form of a prayer, that... Ooh. Is something you will win something that we will figure out to be disclosed later. Oh, that's a Donald Trump quote right there, isn't it? We're gonna give you're gonna give you something the platinum card. Oh, oh that yes. was that platinum plan that <laughs> you yeah, mentioned. That yeah. Did you plan. click the music? Are we supposed to get any 500? No, no, we're not getting no, any music. 500 yeah. billion dollars. <laughs> no music for you. Yeah, we'll get it at the end. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> All right. Uh, on the socials at Bros Bible Beer. Um, Bros Bible Beer. Bros Bible Beer. Bros Bible's beer. I said it right the first time. No, Bros Bible beer will not, in fact. Bros Bible's beer. There you go. That's what I said the first time. No, you didn't. Play the tape back. Scott, can you roll the tape back? I'm going to roll it back. I'm going to check it and post. Bros Bible beer. Regardless. And now you really know what it is. (laughs) Uh, And we'll see you next week. Yeah. And I love you. And hey, actually, this is important. There's so many things. There's so many things that are tearing people apart. Get outside of your house. Wear a mask if you have to. 
make eye contact with a stranger and say hello, smile with your eyes. And then go watch the Lakers together. And go watch the Lakers together. The world is not the shit show that you've been led to believe it is. The light will win. Smile at a stranger. Let's let people see your actual smile. .co.uk If I don't have that, he's touching me right like now. For, like, forget it. Wow, you got furry legs. Um, it's just something like that. Joe Biden.